everyone this is sonali mangal and welcome to another episode of learn educate discover on this podcast we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about the goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes how do they go about exploring it further on today's show we'll be talking about recruiting talent in the technology industry and to help us understand this area our guest on today's show is Michelle Makarg who is a talent partner with Cowboy Ventures Cowboy Ventures is a seed stage focused venture capital fund based right here in bay area in california their portfolio includes some very well known names such as fields coffee product hunt dollar shave club rise spruce lending home and many other companies coming to michelle herself she has a prolific background in the recruiting space she has worked with some stellar brands as a recruiter such as yahoo adobe google Amazon Lab 126 which is the R&D arm of Amazon which has made devices such as the Kindle and of course today she is a talent partner with Cowboy Ventures Michelle comes with very deep experience in the space in fact across all the companies that i just mentioned she has over 15 years of experience in the space so really there's a lot that we can learn from her and on today's show she'll be sharing a lot of great insights with us to help us understand what is the role of recruiter like in the technology space so without further ado let's welcome michelle to the show hey michelle thank you sonali for inviting me i'm really excited to be here yeah of course thank you so much for your time i understand it's friday evening so i appreciate <laughs> your time of course Yeah um I remember you mentioned recently that you went for a Fortune Women's Conference. Yes, uh that happened actually this week. Uh, I had the opportunity to join our founder of Cowboy Ventures Aileen Lee. She did a panel with the founders of Eventbrite, Nextdoor, uh and I can't remember the other person which I feel bad, but it was an amazing panel and you know we talked about unicorns, which is what Aileen is known for coining the word Um, oh yeah that's right that's yeah right. she's that that word has definitely made uh made her the mother of unicorns and you know being in a place with women which they call the fortune powerful women of the world it was amazing um you had a chance to just sit down and listen to just these amazing women and and just their careers and how they feel about technology and just where technology is going today yeah it must have been amazing uh was it here in sf or somewhere else It was here in San Francisco. It was a two-day event. I went for the one one day. I see, got it. So, is the Cowboy Ventures office also in San Francisco or somewhere else? So, it's funny. We actually don't have an office. We are what I call gypsies. We we are all over the Bay Area, but mostly we sit in San Francisco and Palo Alto. Oh, that's cool. So, if you don't have an office, just everyone just sort of works out of wherever they need to be that day. <laughs> Yeah, I I typically sit with my founders and then uh from then we also have our team meetings where we get together often and usually anywhere that has a Wi-Fi, restroom and good food, you will find us there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I I mean, I guess is that because you guys spend a lot of time in meetings? We do. You know, we spend a lot of time and I I think um, you know, our founders really enjoy seeing us, uh, you know, specifically for my role. it allows me to be able to sit with the the various portfolio companies got it got it and are the startups usually the ones that you invest in are they usually located near i mean i, I guess you guys don't have an office so that doesn't make sense so they, are they just spread out all over bay area then yes correct so a majority of our companies are in san francisco or just along the peninsula uh we do have a handful down south as well as new york and in seattle oh nice all right yeah yeah All right, let's get to recruiting then. So, before we get into recruiting itself, why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far? Sure. Uh, as you kindly introduced me, you know, I've been recruiting for the last 15 years and had been very fortunate to have worked with the 
great companies here in the Valley, such as Yahoo, Adobe, Google, Amazon's Lab 126. When I first started out recruiting, it wasn't the journey I was intended to do. In fact, I was going to go to school and become a nurse. Um, But life did a little detour for me, and I did... I help people in a different way. That, I mean, that that's quite a detour, if I may say so. <laughs> so how did that happen? So early on, I, I had a daughter really early. And so it, it, that situation, it had me, you know, quit school and start a job and to take care of my little family. And uh, I started off my career at a recruiting agency, actually, as an executive assistant to one of the general managers there. And from there, I I had the ability to work with an array of recruiters, being that it was a recruiting agency. And they always came to me and say, Michelle, you know what? I think you would be a great recruiter. And that was something I wasn't intending to do Mm -hmm. and was really nervous about it because I can hear them talk. And they just sounded so, in my mind, aggressive and just, you know, they did a lot of talking. And that was just something I didn't feel like I would be good at with, you know, talking every day to different people about rules. So with a lot of encouragement, they told me just to try it out. And so I did and absolutely fell in love with it. That's quite a story. So, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, how old were you when you first started? Sure. I was 22. And it's been quite some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're doing the math, you know how yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. That, that, that's still pretty young, don't worry. But yeah, so, so what do you think stood out about you at that time, which made other people in the agency think that you would make for a great recruiter? Now, I would have to say I am a very social person. And so I think from that trait, they felt like it would be a good thing to make people feel comfortable. I, I did have that ability to just make people feel welcome and be able to trust and talk to me. And that's definitely a key attribute to be a recruiter is being able to, to talk to people, be somewhat social. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important skill to have. And is that something that you are just naturally good at or you developed over a period of time? You know, I think it's a skill that... I have had, you know, I, I feel like as a younger person through elementary school, through high school, uh, I feel like I've been somebody that's been always very easy to talk to or just be easy to be approachable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So before we get into more recruiting, actually, it's up to you how you want to talk about it. We can talk about recruiting in the context of Cowboy VC, or we can talk about recruiting overall in the context of just the different flavors you might have seen as you worked in big companies, smaller companies, and now finally sure. the VC fund. Sure. And, you know, it probably can transition into a little bit of both. And I can I can talk about the differences I've seen, at least being in my role now for a year here with Cowboy and just a big majority of my recruiting career in the corporate side. Yeah. You know, mostly on the larger company side. Um, you know, I, I think the transition from going big to, I feel small because Cowboy is a a small company. There are only five of us Mm -hmm. where I came from, again, the Yahoo's and Adobe's of the world where there was a lot of recruiters that, you know, were my teammates in the sense of, you know, understanding what I go through as a recruiter, the goals that we have to, to hire people as well as dealing with the different varieties of hiring managers, where here at Cowboy, I am the sole person that is responsible for really working with my founders and the team in terms of their recruiting strategy, their people. So it it is definitely a little different from that standpoint, uh, coming from bigger to small. Yeah. So let's start with the big companies first. Sure. First of all, why did you decide to go into recruiting for technology companies as opposed to any other industry? Sure. You know, when I first started off at the agency, because that's where I first had the ability to really understand this was a career that I wanted to start off with. I had friends start leaving because this is when the tech boom started to happen, Mm -hmm. right? This was uh, back in Mm 2003-ish. And so as my friends took off, they all started calling me to take me with them. And uh, a girlfriend who landed a job at Google at that time, you know, no one really knew what Google was mm-hmm. and, or just how big they were going to become, called me and said, hey, they need a recruiter and it's for marketing. 
why don't you come and join me? So, of course, I said, sure, Google sounds fun. Why not? You know, it sounds like a pretty cool company. And from there, you just fall in love with the technology, the fast pace, the people. It's, you just become addicted to the technology. And that's where I decided to stay. All right. And what was your thought process as you moved from one big technology company to another? Um, is the brand. I was a user. So from the sense of, you know, leaving Google and then, you know, I transitioned from Google to Adobe. The culture of Adobe is something that people talk about today. And, you know, and even back then that they just had a great company in the sense of growing their people. People were organically grown there. And I had friends also that worked there and brought me there. So I think the key to a lot of the, the movements that I've made through my career have been through networking with a lot of the various people I've met through my career. Right, right, right. So let's let's talk a little bit about recruiting itself, right? So you describe yourself as a talent partner. Sure. Um, in the most simplest of terms, how would you describe the field of recruiting slash talent acquisition? Yeah, so, you know, in our role, our, our job is to find the best talent out there to come work for a particular company. And I think it's helpful for a recruiter to to be passionate about certain things within the company because you are the, the front person and almost the spokesperson for that particular company. So you're really involved with the growing and I believe the success of a company because who you bring in is what is the fabric of the company. That makes sense. And when you were working at these large companies, typically would you specialize in recruiting a certain kind of profile? Sure. There's a variety. So for me, you know, I've been called a utility player. My managers in the past have called me a utility player, meaning I've recruited for marketing, I've recruited for sales, recruited for engineering and product. And now you will see recruiters have just be a technical recruiter where they focus specifically on the the technical aspect. And then you have some that are on the non-tech side, which handles all the sales and marketing. I see. Okay. So it, it, it can be fairly broad then. So the technical would encompass engineering, product, what else? And design. And design. Yes, that makes sense. And then the yeah. non-technical would be sales, marketing, and all those. Customer service, Customer administrative, service. yeah, finance. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Okay. So every group has a very you know, specific niche. So the longer you stay in a particular focus, you know, the better you get, right? So I feel like, you know, the those types of recruiters start to build the Rolodex, which makes them so valuable. Yeah, so I, I want to get into that a little bit, but let's get to it, which is, I mean, I'm very interested in that whole Rolodex development process, but <laughs> I, I'll get to that. So one comment that you made a little bit earlier, which is that when you were at the recruiting agency, you heard a lot of people uh, speaking very loudly on the phone and you just didn't think of yourself like that. You were someone who was very social, who just tried to make people feel nice. Uh, have you seen sort of different styles of recruiting across different recruiters? I do. And I mean, the differences between, so in, in our world of recruiting, there's agency and corporate recruiter. And in the world of agency, back then, at least, I could speak from my experience, is that, you know, it's, it's you have a lot of people trying to reach out to a lot of people. They're calling all the time consistently. And when you're working in an agency, it's almost like a sales role where you're working for not only looking for the right role for somebody, but you're also working towards your commission, right? So it becomes almost like a little more doggy dog world uh, in that world, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when you go into corporate, the pressure of having, there is pressure to find the right people and getting people on time and that time to fill. But I feel like it's more of a, a team oriented. You're doing it for the company and you just, it, it just, there's definitely a difference of uh, feeling there uh, between the agency and corporate, which I ended up falling in love with the corporate side of recruiting. Right. I mean, I, you know, even as someone who has recruited uh, many times now, I, I do see that there are some recruiters who are genuinely, I don't know if they're just acting, if they're acting, they're very good <laughs> at it, but they, they come across as sort of partners in the process. So they're sort of they appear to be, I'm as much on your side as the company side and really helping you through the process. And then there are other recruiters who are very uh, transactional. So, they, you know, I'm just here to give you some information. Sure. Uh, and of course, from a candidate's perspective, I would like the the partner outlook much more. But do the companies try and give some sort of a mandate? Like, hey, recruiters, this is how you should be. 
You know, not so not so much. I think from a mandate of a company is to make sure that we're taking care of the candidate so they experience that wow factor, right? So again, being the spokesperson for the company, you want to make sure you're representing that company in the best light possible. And you're right. There are some recruiters that you will feel when you talk to them are very more transactional where, you know, they they just need to hire somebody to hire somebody. I, I feel the best recruiters are the true partners, right? They're the ones who want to make sure that you're finding the right role. Even in, irregardless, if you don't get the position, there's somebody that you have a relationship throughout your whole, whole career. Right, right, right. So, so you mentioned that now that you're at Cowboy VC, you're the only one who's handling mm-hmm. recruiting, right? So how has that manifested itself? You know, when we first put this role together at right actually Aileen put this role together it you know we were it's a role that's kind of evolving as the year has passed and you know I help with a little bit of everything so I help with the immediate hires and that could be anywhere from technical co-founder to a strong product manager the first one on the company or it could be executive coaching or it could doing one-on-ones with the recruiters that don't have a head of HR or talent there yet so my job is definitely manifested into something of Wearing all types of hats. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's much much broader, which you can you know Correct. take in all kinds of directions, right? Yes. So and I love it. It's actually fun. The day is never the same. Mm-hmm. It's very different, and it, it definitely makes for not a bored day. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Um, so for the benefit of your list of our listeners, can you briefly describe what call uh, what Cowboy VC does, and then also try and provide an overview of the various activities that a venture capital fund might engage in and where your job fits in in that bucket of activities. Sure. Uh, So Cowboy Ventures is a seed stage fund. We invest in technology companies. And as I mentioned, there's five of us. In terms of my role, we, the, my team, so we're broken up. We have three investment partners, and what they do is they listen to the wonderful people and entrepreneurs that come to look for capital. And of those companies, when we decide to fund them, I come in as a talent partner to help those founders with their recruiting strategy, their people strategy, and how to really get in front of the, the shortage of hiring, I mean, not the shortage, the shortage of candidates that are out there to try to get them interested in coming over to a non-so-known company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is where we get to that interesting part of Rolodex, right? So right. I'm sure you are investing in all kinds of companies. If I look at your, your portfolio as of today, you have companies in the food and beverage industry like Phil's Coffee, and then you have companies in the medical industry. I think that's Spruce, I think, or maybe Rice. Correct. Uh, uh, Spruce and Rice. They both are in the, the, the Oh, health. both of them. Okay, yeah. And then you have uh, pure technology companies like Product Hunt. So very, very different industries, right? Mm-hmm. How do you source your candidates? That's what makes my day never the same day. <laughs> you know, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, talking about recruiters that are transactional and partners. And what makes, I think, a successful recruiter is partnering with your hiring manager. And because of the variety of companies that I help partner with, it does make it difficult, right? So because there's so many different niches that I I may not know somebody in the food industry, but someone in my network will. So it's a lot of talking to people, partnering with the founders, because sometimes they, you know, you don't think that you may know that right person, but you do. So just having a lot of discussions and talking about your network and your Rolodex with the variety of people will start to uncover these candidates. Right. So how, how do you build that that network? Right? So you're saying that most of the people that you that you're recruiting they're either direct contacts or they are friends of friends of friends something like that so how do you keep on building your network do you attend any special conferences or are you just good at keeping in touch with people what happens you know i think because i've done this for so long in the very beginning when you're starting out recruiting you know you do you start to go to to these shows right like conferences earlier days trade shows and you start to meet a lot of people and you just start to keep in contact with them and because i've worked with a variety of companies and I've worked with so many hiring managers and hired people these are people I try I try my very best to stay in contact with and also leveraging friends of friends right so anytime someone says Michelle I have someone I would love you to talk to I will always talk to them because not only do I feel like I'm helping somebody 
it almost pays it forward because they'll send me somebody back too. And from there, it just multiplies. Right, right. I mean, is there something like an, an efficient versus an inefficient strategy of building that network? So time is, at the, time is what everybody lacks, right? So I think, you know, you almost have to think about the best way to use your time. Like, should you go to a conference all the time to kind of build this network? Maybe, maybe not, right? So sometimes I feel like that could be an efficient use of your time. I think a lot of the core people that you can find the right people are in your first to second degree of uh, network. And so really making sure you're broadcasting your needs and talking to people. And, and literally, I've seen it happen where, Michelle, I've heard from so-and-so, you're looking for somebody, and here it is. So I feel like that is a better use of your time is making sure that you contact your first to second degree of network to find that gem. Right. And do you also make strong use of LinkedIn? I do. I am definitely a user and abuser of LinkedIn. I, I, I do love it. And uh, I feel like a lot of people are on there in the sense of the types of folks I look for, right? Again, it's a lot of technology-based candidates I look for. So uh, I would probably say the biggest majority are sitting there. Right. And do you have some sort of a special account at LinkedIn as in like a different kind of membership? I do. I have uh, the LinkedIn Business Pro, which is a step but I believe below the, the recruiter seat. Oh, I see. So you don't have the recruiter account. I do not. And, and why is that? You know, I feel um, I, I don't heavily recruit like I used to as a recruiter at like a Yahoo, where I would need to send probably 100 emails a week. But because I can leverage my partner's contacts, my founder's contacts, I don't need such a robust membership. So I, I scale down a little bit. I see. So the recruiter account, primarily the main difference is that it allows you to contact many more people. Oh, yeah. Many more. You do get a lot of different features from the recruiter seat. But at this point and where I'm at, I, I, I don't need all the bells and whistles uh, for that. Right. So if you were to think about the sort of sort of stack rank, the tools uh, slash services slash things that you use to source candidates, what would be your stack ranking? In terms of tools that we use today? Yeah. I would have to say LinkedIn. We do use that. That's number one. Everyone does tend to go through there. And then from LinkedIn, we will start to use like GitHub, Stack Overflow for the more um, tech candidates, Mm -hmm. as well as um, starting to just go through uh, your alumni boards and groups that you're a part of. But LinkedIn is still number one in terms of what recruiters use today. At least I, I believe I, I, that's how I feel. That's an interesting point, though, because you're also using GitHub and Stack Overflow for, I guess, primarily engineers. Correct. Um, what about designers? Where would you find designers? Oh, so there's Corefloff, there's Boxes and Arrows. It's been some time since I've used, um, recruited for a UI person, but I still use LinkedIn. I can find them there. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But I think this is good information for candidates also. Right? Like, where should I go oh, yeah. and set up my profile? So can you walk us through a typical hiring process? Like from the time that you're asked to find someone uh, mm-hmm. by a portfolio company till the time that you finally extend an offer? What does that sure. process look like? Sure. So when someone calls me and says, hey, Michelle, I need, you know, X, Y, Z, I typically will sit down with that hiring manager and go over and over what we call a recruiting strategy meeting. So when we sit down and have a recruiting strategy meeting with hiring managers, typically what we go over during that time is the nice to haves, the must haves and, you know, their dream list, right? So typically what happens, you know, with those different silos and buckets is this person really needs to have this type of coding skills or, you know, I'd really like this person to be able to be in this type of industry but still have these types of coding skills. And I'd also like them to have, you know, be a fan of the San Francisco Giants, right? So uh, okay. during, the, during those, that conversation and meeting, you know, you really need to talk out with your hiring managers. Like, you know, you're looking for what we call the purple squirrel in our industry. Sometimes those things don't exist. And what are you willing to teach? And what are you willing to, you have to have, right? right. So those are discussions that are super important any searches because you need to vet those things out right away and sometimes typically you go through the hiring process and you start to meet people and sometimes after meeting those people 
you can also start to weed out, you know, okay, I thought I needed this. You're right. I can definitely go with my something that you weren't expecting to get. Right. right. I, I like the term purple squirrel. I want a purple cow. But uh, so and when you when you build out this list, I mean, to the extent that you can share, because I'm sure a part of it, you just want to keep it secret. But what is the extent of match that you're looking for with, as you're speaking with candidates? When I speak to candidates, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, when you're talking to somebody on the phone, it's really hard to really to make that distinct distinction of whether or not this person's going to be a fit or not, even if you talk from a coding standpoint, right? So I really go very high level with a candidate to make sure I understand their ideals. What is it that they're looking for? Should they make a move outside of their current company? And what would they would be looking for for their next role? And just really understanding kind of those levers that make somebody tick. And then from that standpoint, you know, if I feel like they have kind of that, that, that value add that can add uh, to the company that I'm recruiting for, I would encourage my hiring managers to talk to somebody, even if they don't check all the boxes in terms of all the coding skills they have because they have the potential. Mm-hmm. And then I have the hiring manager do more of the harder stuff in terms of going through the technical coding um, skills. Right, right. So once you, uh, so you said that first you have the sort of recruiting strategy meeting in which you discuss uh, together with the company that is looking to hire, what are the things that are required, the uh, must have, the good to have, the dream, the dream list. And once you have that sort of sorted out, then what is your next step? Do you sort of send feelers out in your network that, hey, I'm looking to hire so-and-so or do you have like a nice mental map of everyone that you remember and you sort of uh, start contacting the people that you already think would be good fit. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. So once once they give me a role, you know, and they're saying, Michelle, I need to look for this, I definitely go through my mental map and start looking at the people I already know immediately from my network and start reaching out saying, hey, one of my companies is looking for so-and-so and so-and-so. If you know anybody, like, let me know. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it kind of triggers, like, I do know somebody, let me get to them and I'll circle back with you. And then the second step I would do is put it out on my LinkedIn status oh, okay. to also say, you know, to also broaden it out a little bit to my my more second degree um, network mm-hmm. and then also tweet it out as well. Oh, right, right, right. So, I mean, do most recruiters have a very strong presence on all of these social media platforms? I, I believe so. You know, I'm not as good with the social media site from in the sense of tweeting. I'm just starting to get on that, but I'm definitely very active on my LinkedIn status updates as well as reaching out definitely to my network. I mean, those are probably my two first go-to. I see. Okay. You know, one thing I've noticed a lot of recruiters do is that sometimes they will just send you a contact request on LinkedIn. And it's, it's, it's without a message. There's no... There's no communication really. They, they'll just want to add you as a connection. So I don't know if you do it, but what is the reason behind it? I don't do that. I typically add a, a note. Unless I know you personally, I, I don't send a note because you're like, oh, it's Michelle, I'll connect with you. But I think it doesn't do justice if you don't add some type of note. And even for ones that I haven't spoken to in a long time, uh, I, I will just say, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We worked at Yahoo together or so-and-so. I just wanted to connect with you. But adding a simple note, I think, makes it helpful. There's so many recruiters that are reaching out to everybody every day. You need to, you need to make it personalized, right, so that somebody will accept your request to LinkedIn. Right, right. All right, so I think we have a fairly good idea of recruiting as a role overall. And you know, I'm sure as more things come up in the conversation, you can keep adding them. But let's get to some of the more day-to-day aspects of your role. So can you describe, you know, what a typical day looks like for you? Yes, sure. So, you know, my typical day is I'm always, if not day and night, thinking about my founders. You know, because we invest in the seed stage, you know, many of my founders are first-time CEOs or some have founded companies and have been, had founded a, um, had a successful exit and starting another company. I'm always thinking about them in the sense of, who would be the best people for them. So I, I always peruse my network. I'm always talking to people dur- during the week and day and always thinking about where I can plug somebody in for them. So trying to find the best of the best, like every recruiter out there, you never hear anybody say they're finding not the best of the best. But my day always consists of thinking about my founders. 
And do they also provide feedback to you in terms of, hey, Michelle, you know, we hired this guy or gal and it's not working out? Yes. So, you know, they do. And so in some cases, many of my founders haven't worked with, say, a recruiter that is really part of the team for them. So a lot of them will experience having dealing with contingency recruiters, retainer uh, recruiters, where they're not really seated with their companies. And me coming in and helping, we've built this relationship where you can say, hey, I've hired somebody and this is not the right fit. What do I do? Um, or the opposite. We've hired this person and they are amazing. So I, I do hear on both sides. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, in, in that case, I mean, of, of course you have to figure, I mean, I guess HR would figure out what to do with the candidate himself or herself. But uh, from, from a recruiting standpoint, does that lead to any changes? It does. You know, we start to think about our recruiting strategy. Like you sometimes always have to fine tune your strategy when it comes to recruiting because you want to also have a very diverse team, right? You don't want to hire the same person you just hired 10 times. You want to make sure that you're you're looking at your company base and saying, you know, I want everyone to have some type of unique differences to just make it a, a diverse group in the sense of thinking, innovation, to just make it a very solid company. Mm-hmm. So can you describe some of the problems that someone in recruiting slash talent acquisition would work on? Yeah, it's, you know, I think some of the problems we face is not being able to find candidates fast enough. You probably have heard the terminology, the war of talent, and I think things are very competitive out there. I know there are candidates out there. So it's just a sense of sometimes what hiring managers or the company is looking for may not be realistic and not willing to take a chance on certain candidates um, because they are out there and or we're not moving fast enough, right? A candidate comes in, they have 10 different offers already. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a challenge for us recruiters is being able to move quick enough or making our managers move quick enough uh, on a candidate. So that, you bring up a very interesting point because one, how do you gauge how interested or not interested is the candidate in your particular company? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Um, you know, and that's a lot of what I, you know, I call them discovery calls. And, and going back to what I mentioned, of finding the levers of a candidate and what's really pushes their buttons in the sense of what makes them tick and what, what fascinates them in terms of, you know, uh, making the move. And so at that point of having that discovery call, you would probably find out if they're going to be a good fit for your company or not, in the sense that they're going to be interested in the technology that company is uh, providing. Yeah, so that would be for technical recruiting? Correct. Okay, all right. And whenever there have been situations when it's clear to you that this candidate has some great offers and very competitive offers, how do you go about that situation? Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, you never want to lose a candidate. It bums out your hiring managers. It, it, it just makes it for a very stressful time when you know your candidate has multiple offers. So at this point, I circle back with the candidate or sometimes I have the hiring manager circle back with the candidate. And, you know, you, you apply a little bit of gentle pressure in the sense of being able to woo them, right? But at the end of the day, you want the candidate to be where they want to be, but also showing like you don't want to miss out on this opportunity because of X, Y, Z and the opportunity to do something great within our company. But at the end of the day, you want that candidate to be happy. And I always circle back with those candidates and saying, look, if they're, if you have multiple offers at the end of the day, this is where it's your job, right? And you got to figure out where you feel it's going to be the best place for you to grow and then I can go into kind of where we think this person would go and try to woo them in that way. But again, it's it's going to be up to the candidate. Right. Uh, do you think that good recruiters have to be what a lot of people refer to as good at reading people? I do. I think, you know, recruiters need to be able to have that spidey sense to say, this person, I feel there's something I feel is not right. And sometimes you may not be 100% right, but usually when you go with your spidey senses on a particular candidate, you can feel you go with that gut instinct. And sometimes you're right. I mean, if, if you have an example, can you share something? So I did. I do have an example. I had a candidate that we, uh, I was working with a chief of staff at one of the companies I was with a few months back. And um, this particular candidate 
was super excited to come. Had She had accepted the offer, but I started to get a lot of emails from her, just random hello emails like, hey, how are you? I want, I just received my review here at my current company because she, she had extended her start date with us. And I just felt like that was odd, you know? So I had spoken to the chief of staff and I said, you know, I do not feel good about this. I think she's going to renege or ask for more money, but something is up with the the communication that I'm getting constantly from her. And he's like, no, you know, it's okay. I think it will be fine. I'm like, I don't think it will be fine. And, you know, sure enough, four weeks later, she called and said she was going to renege the offer and stay where she was at. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, isn't it like so i have two follow-up questions to that i guess this is something is this something that you always had again or again you had to develop on the job it's something you develop on the job i think you know just through the many years of trial and error because you're dealing with people recruiting you know you're we're we're the people function of a company Mm -hmm. and you just don't know how people are going to react and then you just start to get experiences from just different experience that you go through just through your career to just know that this particular thing can potentially happen because it's happened in the past. And sometimes it surprises you and it doesn't happen, but you do start to build some library of things that can help you for your future of dealing with other candidates. Right. I mean, can you share some, some things from your library? Um, I mean, for instance, that particular person, I feel like almost when someone candidate who has accepted starts emailing you weekly, just to, do these weekly chats, I feel like they're just trying to get some affirmation, like, should right. they do this? Or they're really um, confused, right, right uh, on what they should do. Because typically, if you're a great employee, your company's not going to want to lose you. So, of course, you're going to go through um, them trying to have you stay, which makes it also difficult on the, the, the employee who then, you know, you want right. to come to your company. Right, right, right. So, how tightly knit is the recruiting community? Because it's, and I, I, my, the intent behind my question is that that candidate, ultimately, she did not accept her offer. Is that something that the recruiting community would, after some time, sort of know that, you know, this candidate did this? Yes. So we are a tight community. And, I, you know, I would say, you know, there's pockets of us because many of us have recycled through the valley. Yeah. Uh, and work together for many years, you know, such as product as yourself. You know, you work with people and they all take off to different companies and you build this, this circle and friendship within your own niche. And we do, we do talk and, you know, we do try to keep things very confidential, especially things afterwards. But some people will ask and say, Hey, didn't you try to hire this person before? And you're like, yeah, it just didn't work out, but that doesn't mean it's not going to work out for you, right? It was a different time, different situation. You know, we never want to ding somebody for what's happened during that time. Right, right, right. Okay. So what is the measure of success for someone working in talent acquisition? You know, for the measurement of success, for us as managers who manage a staff of recruiters, we look at time to fill. Like, you know, you get a position how long did it take you to fill? And the average is usually around 90. And sometimes it's going into the 100 days of, of fill. So we look at that, right? But you also have to take in consideration the hiring manager's role with the recruiter because it is a partnership. You want to make sure both sides are engaged in doing what they need to do. And so if I had a recruiter on my team not be able to hit that time to fill within those 90 days, you, know, you want to ask those questions of is Jill or John working with you to make sure you're successful filling their role. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the hiring managers are not engaged, which makes it difficult. So you just have to take that all into consideration. But time to fill is typically that measure. I see. Okay. And is there any other metric? Yeah. you know, I'd also like to add in terms of metrics for me as being a manager before, I, I think I like to look at that partnership with that hiring manager. Sometimes it's just you cannot find that purple squirrel, but you've built a relationship with that hiring manager that's so strong that I feel that's a measure of how well that recruiter has done for that organization. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. So uh, what are your working hours like? Like how intense is this job? <laughs> you know, it varies. I think it's like any rule. I, you know, it has ebbs and flows. You know, product, you have to do a product release. You work a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes through the weekend, you know, I think every role is somewhat like that you know I feel I I feel like I do have some good work-life balance Um, there's times where you put pressure on yourself where you need to work a little longer and sometimes on the weekend just to catch up because it does get a little crazy 
Right. And you also, I guess, have to coordinate your schedule with so many different people, right? Yes. Uh, That's what makes it hard. You know, I I, I do talk to a lot of people outside of just my my team and outside of my founders. I, I do talk to a lot of candidates. Yeah. And, you know, and that's through phone, through coffee, all over San Francisco, or, you know, sometimes um, I live out in the East Bay, I'll, I'll meet someone halfway um, through Berkeley and the Arinda Corridor. Yeah. What is your favorite mode of interviewing? Is it on the phone? Is it over a cup of coffee? Is it in a room in your office or something else? <laughs> you know, I like a little bit of both. It really depends on schedule. You know, um, i I you know, both ways are great. I, I've had conversations on the phone where I can't wait to meet that person again for coffee because we just had such a great conversation. Or I've met someone for coffee and I'm like, gosh, I wish I did this over the phone. Um, <laughs> you know, it, just, it really varies. I, I've, I've had, I feel like I've had great success both ways of building that relationship uh, with candidates via phone and um, on site. Right. And over these many years, has any question evolved as like a favorite that ends up coming up in every interview that you do? Oh, in terms of what I ask people? Yeah, yeah, and that, and that you found very effective. You know, I think for me, I always like to ask the ideal job. I mean, that is something I always ask. Uh, and people, sometimes what you'll hear is not even relatable to what the role is. You know, sometimes somebody says, you know, I want to be, I'd like to be a teacher one day. And you're talking to somebody who is a VP of finance. And, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, that's so different from what it is. So you get to learn a lot about different people when you ask just questions that aren't always so technical in nature, right? You always, but you also want to keep it where it's legal to ask these types of questions. But sometimes asking, you know, what is that ideal rule look for you or just areas of where you think you can improve. Those are definitely, that's definitely when I, I usually ask. So you get to learn a little bit more about somebody. Right, right. And this is more for fun, but have there been some like very weird or strange things that candidates might have done <laughs> during interviews or just simply talking to you? Yeah, I, I definitely have had some weird things where I get weird emails of people saying they've looked at my profile picture on LinkedIn and oh uh, uh, have made weird comments. Oh, um, God. Really? Yes, oh, uh, I've, I've had people come look for me at the office, you know, asking for me at the desk, which is odd. You know, usually candidates at least don't, I, I've never experienced that before ever. And I've had that happen once. Someone looking for me at the desk, which is weird. It was it after you told them that, sorry, we don't want to talk no, to you anymore? No, not at all. It was just a random person that came looking for me. And luckily, you know, you just can't walk into the, the building. You have to yeah. go to the front desk. So I'm like, I, I don't know that person. I'm not going down. Oh, so there's a, there's a danger element to the job also. Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's kind of odd, you know, and because there's, you know, we live in a world where things are just so accessible, right? So people can look, people can add you. And as recruiters, People like to link into you a lot via yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. In fact, I get a lot of messages, which I appreciate all of them, but they're really hard to get to. And I know some get frustrated because I haven't responded, but I do. I probably have like 800 and I try to get them as get through them as much as possible as quickly as I try to get through all my emails as well. But you do get a lot of different people who try to reach out to you. Yeah, actually, you know, now that you say it makes a lot of sense because you're talking to so many people and you can't really control you're talking to i mean after they Correct. meet a certain bar yeah that's, that's right point. yeah that's right so and, you know when you go back to what's your favorite communication you know sometimes i like to start off with phone first yeah yeah that's a good point now now it makes a lot of sense <laughs> you want to be sure before you meet them um, that's right yeah so in your opinion what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in this role i think the most interesting and also very rewarding is just the ability to meet the people, as we just segue out of talking about the kind of weird things that happen when you meet with people, it is. I get to meet a lot of people in all types of walks of life. And I've built a lot of friendship with the people I've been in contact with and people I've tried to help get jobs that, you know, maybe it wasn't successful, but we've stayed in contact. Uh, and the ability just to work for the variety of companies that I've had just throughout my career I've definitely been very fortunate uh, to have been exposed to all the different things happening here in the Valley. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think you already covered some of the challenging areas, like how there is a talent shortage and you're always competing for the best candidates. But is there anything else that comes to mind? You know, I think I would hope one day, right, because I do talk to a lot of young 
students coming out or just people trying to pivot their careers. In fact, I talked to somebody today who used to be a producer for CBS mm. and she wants to be a product manager. And she went to one of those school accelerators to get her product manager, you know, kind of credentials and smart lady. And I, I just wish someone would give her a chance. And so hopefully, you know, one day that we can hiring managers will be able to look at the potential. I know there's plenty out there that do. But sometimes hiring managers tend to want people with experience right off the bat, right away. And I think if we were to look at people who have the potential that can learn pretty quickly, we could definitely get that diverse set of eyeballs in in, in group to add what we call value added to a company and employee base. Right. Have you seen recruiters, especially when they're in the early stages of the career, any common mistakes that they make? I think, yes, I do, actually, because it's happened to me. You probably get a lot of in-mails from recruiters. I get a lot of in-mails from recruiters as well. And they're not looking at your background, right? I I have people who ping me that says, hey, Michelle, I saw your background. I think you'd be a great product manager. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, or or it's just the most oddest thing. And it's probably what's happening is they're looking at maybe something I had just announced saying, hey, I'm looking for a product manager. They just did. And so those are easy mistakes, but things that, you know, you need to be very careful about, right? That when you want to contact a candidate who's being sought after by many other recruiters, you want to be very diligent and conscientious of the message you're sending out because you get laughed at. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, what are you thinking? Uh, But those things happen and, you know, everyone makes a mistake. Yeah. And is there something like a typical career path in this role? You know, just like me and some of the recruiters that I know in my network, I I think we just kind of fall into this type of position. Some of the people in my circle, uh, as I mentioned to you early on, my goal after graduating high school and going to college was to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And life events happened. And I had girlfriends who were also nurses who actually finished and became registered nurses become recruiters or salespeople becoming recruiters. So you just see a variety of... um, pathways to get to this role. I think if you have passion around people and helping them find a career and and provide for their livelihood, and I I think anybody would be good at this, you know, and having the ability to talk and be approachable and finding, you know, the right person for the right position, um, someone can do great. Yeah. And and once you're in this role, I guess you sort of just... um... Uh, you know, I'm sure sort of you first increase in your seniority level within the company. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess you're in a unique position because uh, you landed a, a very, a very nice role. I mean, you're a partner at a VC firm, which is one of the best roles you can have in Silicon Valley. But yeah. I'm guessing you're, you're not a typical person uh, from that point of view. But usually what would be sort of a, a recruiter's career path as they grow in the company? Sure. You know, I think um, some recruiters I've seen go into HR. It's a natural progression for someone who is in the people field to say, hey, instead of selling the candidates all the time, why don't you help retain and develop them uh, on the HR side? So I've seen many of my friends go down that path or they continue on and stay as a recruiter and go into management and, and develop that way. I see. Okay. All right, so uh, I, I'm going to try and keep this as short. I know we're running sure. short on time. Uh, no, okay. So to just to help people who are interested in this area, uh, some questions around that. So we've touched on this a little bit every now and then, but what kind of person do you think would really enjoy himself or herself in this job? So I think the best person who would really enjoy themselves in this type of role would be someone who can really deal with different changes. Recruiting is all about change, right? So because you're, again, dealing with people, you're dealing with the variety of emotions that go along with that, right? From having giving them an offer to them reneging the offer to your hiring manager changing the job specs. So someone who can really handle change would be good for this type of position uh, just because it does happen. Um, somebody who loves to talk to people definitely helps <laughs> because that's all you do. Yeah. So and having and having that passion around technology, if you're on the technology side of things, right? So because you're going to be able to, again, to be the spokesperson for that particular company, you're going to need to be able to exude that enthusiasm around the product that they're building and and why they should join the team. That makes sense. So, you know, that's an interesting point. Um, You said that, you know, 
clearly because this is such a networking heavy role that you need to be comfortable with talking to someone generally to people would you advise an introvert to take up this role yes because i you know sometimes i've seen people who've been in this role that are introverted actually do well and in and sometimes they could really work well with different niches within roles and one of them being engineering right mm-hmm. so sometimes the the candidates that you talk to some of them are very introverted heavy and in terms of the engineering side of the house so someone who is introverted can probably bring that out because it makes the conversation possibly come more comfortable i see i see so they'll probably connect better with them correct i could possibly be very overwhelming for uh, you know someone who's introverted <laughs> right because i'm just machine gunning like conversation where introvert to an introvert that could be a very easy conversation right right and let's say that you know someone right now is a recruit is is someone who is interested in getting hired as a recruiter at a company how would you advise they go about looking for that good company i'm sure there are some companies that are bad employers from the point of view of a, of a, of a recruiter not not like a not like your regular employee i'm just saying yeah, like sure how do you assess that you know i i would tell them to network right because Uh, you know the recruiting community as big as we are it's also very small you can do a lot of um, conversation you can have a lot of conversations with other recruiters to say how is the culture there and how is it to bring candidates on i mean these are easy questions to ask a friend that's in the same role to to kind of understand what they would be getting themselves into mm-hmm. so okay. networking i would say networking for any role like i mean just for product sales finance even recruiting networking is the way to go in terms of finding the position as well as um knowing what's happening with that particular company and when you're when you're talking to people to try and assess whether this company would be good to work at would you recommend any questions which might be good to ask yeah so i think some good questions to ask from a candidate standpoint to an, to the hiring manager would be tell me what keeps you up at night what are, what are your hiring needs for the year what would this role entail for this for your company and then you can learn about what that manager or that particular interviewee thinks about this position as well as the temperature of the company mm. i mean are you aware you don't have to take names but are you aware that of uh, uh, companies or industries where recruiters might not be as important so let me put it in a different sense so for example if you take a lot of technology companies uh, in most technology companies engineers are, and product managers are very key to a yes. tech company right compared to a lot of the other roles so similarly in uh, when you, when we talk about recruiting are these roles inherently more important in certain industries so i've seen where it's not okay. you know i think every company would like their recruiter but i think once they have their recruiter there i don't think some realize the importance of that partnership where they just feel like you know just go get me my people and bring them to me right versus mm-hmm. like let's work on this together and hire our people right there, there's a we and our and you know us in this relationship versus i've seen companies be like where are the resumes where you know i haven't seen anybody So yeah, you will see that in certain companies. I, I definitely have uh, heard and experienced that. Okay, all right. So the best talent folks are there any attributes that make them stand out? I think best talent folks out there are the connectors. I think if the, you know particular recruiters are really good, if they don't have a position with their particular company, they will ping you or ping their network and say, "I have this amazing person." I unfortunately don't have a role. Please help them. Oh, you know, uh, th- they're the ones that are really connected, and uh, those are the the best ones to know. Mm, I see. I mean, that, that's that's a that's a great story actually, because uh, that means that they're they're not trying to sort of keep the best ones hidden, uh, hoping right. that one day they're going to hire them. Okay. And, and you know, and that's where the relationship starts to happen with candidates and the recruiter, right? So. I've been very fortunate enough to also have the ability just to again meet all types of people and I can't help them with a particular company because my company's you know may not be needing a particular role right away but I want to make sure I help this person because one day I will ping he or she and say hey I have the perfect role and they'll take my call. Hmm. Right. 
Are there any resources that potential job applicants, and I mean from the point of view of applying for a role as a recruiter, anything that they can use both to learn more about the space as well as just applying itself? Like what is the best way to apply? Yeah, you know, I think some resources, there are so many groups that are out there today um, from a recruiting network standpoint that people can use and read about. And again, networking is key. I think there, there are so many out there. I've, I've had emails come to me where someone has asked me, like, Michelle, I'm very interested in recruiting. How do you do that? So not being scared to reach out to some folks and, and get some information and hopefully try to network to, to learn more about the recruiting space. So these groups are usually on LinkedIn? Yeah, there's LinkedIn Recruiter. Okay. Uh, there's SF Recruiters. Those are great resources for, you know, the recruiting um, community. Okay, and that, that's specific to, the SF Recruiter is specific to tech recruiting in Bay Area? That is specific to tech recruiting and non-tech recruiting. Oh, both non, okay. Right. Yep. Got it. You know, and I think, Sonali, the key to, I think, and it goes for all profession, is, you know, when you're interested in a, a role or a particular company, networking is the best thing you can do. And just putting it out there in the universe that you're looking or interested in hearing about something, somebody will catch wind of that and then it just starts to grow. Right, right. I know that's true. I mean, that I've seen that uh, networking really is the key to get yes. a job. Yeah. So because it's such a competitive market, right? And I'm sure, like you're saying, there are a lot of people who reach out to you saying, hey, I'm interested in recruiting. How do you do it? How do you think a candidate can stand out, a recruiting candidate can stand out in this market? I, I think it's tenacity. There's borderline stalking, but there's borderline, you know, tenacity where you just, you you stand out by having this wow factor. And when I say wow factor, I don't need someone to come with glitter and, you know, airy wings or anything like that. You, you'll know just from their their ability to just reach out their email the way they present themselves either through voice through through words it'll, it'll come out so i just think you know if you're interested in something reach out but be conscientious not to reach out too much you know again time is of the essence and everyone's super busy but i think a little bit it's nasty will make you stand out right and also, let's say that there's someone who, who uh, you know, maybe he or she listens to your podcast and they say, hey, you know what, this sounds very interesting and I think I want to give it a shot, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So how would you help them make up their mind? Is there something they can do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said that because I actually, one of my, my, my best friends used to be a project manager for construction. Mm-hmm. She has all the skills I feel would be great for a recruiter and she just has the ability to make people feel comfortable. She's very approachable. The only thing she lacked was industry knowledge. So I connected her with a girlfriend who owns her own recruiting agency, and it's she's about to place two people already for the company, and she's only been there for two months. Right. And um, I, I think, again, just having the ability to understand just somebody's personality and taking a chance on something or in having the hiring manager take a chance on somebody is magic. Right. I mean, is there something like a recruiting internship? Uh, I haven't actually, you know, I've started to see a lot of those on the job boards. Uh, when I started early on, there was no recruiting internships. Those are, those are starting to come out a lot more now. I in fact actually have an intern working for me as a talent intern helping me with some of the strategies that we're doing with oh, the portfolio. Okay. All right. So these internships are not just at recruiting agencies, but also at uh, small and big companies. Yes, smaller on. and bigger companies. Correct. Okay. All right. All right, Michelle, this was extremely helpful. Is there any area that we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I think we've covered all. And again, if there's anybody that's listening to the show that is really fascinating and interested in hearing more about recruiting, I am always happy to talk to them about it. Oh yeah, for sure. So we'll definitely be sharing show notes from today's episode on our blog. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll link to your LinkedIn profile. So uh, I'm sure, you know, if if there are enough people listening, they'll be reaching out to you. Um, Is there any advice that you'd like to share? Parting advice? Um, I, you know, networking. I, I can't say that enough just because I think it's where the ladder starts to happen. You know, the resume builder. If you need to build your network 
and talking to people and getting out and meeting people uh, is the best thing for I believe for anybody's career. That's I think how everybody gets to where they need to be is through the network. All right, thanks a lot, Michelle. I I know I took up your Friday evening, but oh, thank fine. you so this much. This is fun. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Bye bye. So that was Michelle with a great and very helpful account of what it's like to work as a recruiter in the tech space. I hope you found today's episode helpful. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover. Also, if you can, please do leave a review for us. It really takes only two minutes and can really help us a lot. So please, if you can take two minutes out, do leave a review for us. Of course, if you have any feedback to share with us or if you have ideas for professions that we should include in our upcoming episodes, please do share your ideas with us. You can email us at learneducatediscover at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at LED underscore curator. As always, show notes from today's episode will be posted to our blog. You can find our blog at medium.com forward slash at LED underscore curator. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next one. Adios.